WBEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts, and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation. Plus, MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. As vaccination rates increase and people continue to wear masks and socially distance, realities on the ground are changing in Chicago. The Chicago lakefront has reopened today. This week, the Chicago Park District will begin opening public access points east of Lakeshore Drive. Crews will also unlock gates at more than 500 outdoor playgrounds in the next few weeks. Good news for Chicagoans who are regular visitors to Wisconsin, Indiana and Michigan. Visitors to Chicago from yellow states do not have to quarantine or test upon arrival. We are so grateful to CDPH for providing these vaccines, prioritizing people experiencing homelessness, and prioritizing people in black and brown communities. Yep, the lakefront and parks are open in the city, and soon there may be another vaccine headed our way. Here to talk about all of that and more is Commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health, Dr. Allison Arwady. Dr. Arwady, welcome back to Reset. So good to have you here. Thank you. Happy to be talking about a lot of good news today. Oh, wonderful. Let's get started. Let's talk about the big news of the day, doctor. The Food and Drug Administration said today that the vaccine from Johnson & Johnson meets the requirements for emergency use authorization. Now, we've already got Moderna, Pfizer. How big of a deal is this? Uh, So definitely getting a third vaccine authorized is a big deal. There are still a few steps where the FDA needs to do its formal review and the CDC and the ACIP need to weigh in, but we expect this to happen just over the next few days. And I do think we'll start seeing this J&J vaccine most likely here in Chicago as soon as the beginning of March. So anytime we can get more vaccine here, it's a huge deal. It's the number one thing that that is making it hard for us to roll out vaccine. We've got the entire system built. We've got fantastic um, efficiency numbers. We've got fantastic equity data, uh, improvements every day. We just need more vaccines. So I think it's not going to be a huge amount of vaccine right at the beginning, like we saw with the first two vaccines that came online. But any new vaccine here in Chicago is great news for all of Chicago. Well, that's good to know. Uh, You know, the Johnson & Johnson one-shot vaccine is reported to be about 66% effective, doctor, against moderate and severe COVID. And I'm comparing that to the 95% effectiveness of Moderna and Pfizer. So should folks avoid it when it comes out? So this is part of why we want to see the full FDA, you know, see that full analysis, see what the CDC uh, and the ACIP recommend. Uh, but the big difference here is that we're talking about after a single dose of vaccine. So after the, the Pfizer and the Moderna, uh, we also really only see protection rates, right, that are quite a bit lower. And it's after that second dose that we see that 95% protection. But the good news on the J&J is that it's a single dose. And although the protection remains somewhat lower for my 
mild and moderate disease. Really, that severe disease, it looks great on. We'll have some more details, but this vaccine is almost completely protective against hospitalization and deaths, which, of course, is the number one thing uh, that we're most interested in preventing. So we'll be getting some more uh, details out over these next few days. This may be a vaccine that we may use more in essential workers instead of older populations. We'll see um, as the final recommendations come forward. But having more vaccine and one that is so protective against COVID, this is still a fantastic vaccine for Chicago. Yeah, and to be fair uh, with with the Johnson & Johnson, the trials seem to have gone really well. Yes, they have. And I think they're actually looking at now a trial with a second dose of vaccine. So it's possible down the line, even J&J, they may end up recommending that second booster dose. Uh, But even one dose vaccine, you know, a a vaccine that is as protective as that, and especially against these severe outcomes, um, is absolutely a vaccine that, you know, I've got confidence in. And we're going to figure out how to layer it in to our strategies here to make sure it can get places where, you know, it's most appropriate for use. But it is wonderful news. Regardless. Well, sticking with with vaccine news, doctor, starting tomorrow, the list of, of people who are eligible for phase one B of the vaccine is expanding. So tell us who all will be able to get the vaccine now. Yeah, so, and I want to be clear about that. So this, there, because I, I think people will have some questions. So um, basically what happened was the state of Illinois said that beginning tomorrow, it is possible for jurisdictions to be able to um, expand to that, to that larger group if, you know, they are in a position to be able to do so. But unfortunately, here in Chicago, in suburban Cook County, in Evanston, in DuPage County, really up in the Northeast here, we still have not gotten enough vaccine to be able to make that expansion just yet. Uh, even looking ahead to the end of this week, we've only gotten about 31% of the vaccine that we need to cover the people who are already eligible, right? The uh, more than 360,000 Chicagoans who are over 65 and those frontline high-risk essential workers. So we remain focused for right now on the people over 65 um, and those groups we're already working on. Our hope is that as more vaccine gets here, uh, you know, there are some thresholds that the CDC has set related to when you're able to move ahead, mm-hmm. um, that we'll be able to more formally pull that group in. But just here in Chicago, based on the amount that we've gotten here, we're not yet able to make that expansion. I think there are some rural areas that perhaps have gotten a little more vaccine from the state, don't have as much of a population, maybe don't have as many essential workers. Anywhere, if you have vaccine appointments that are going unused, of course you should uh, open that up. But here, as soon as we are posting vaccine appointments, they're gone in seconds. Mm-hmm. So what I don't want to do is open it up to almost another million Chicagoans where we don't have the appointments to support it yet. So you'll be hearing some more about that. Again, we've really um, said we expect, you know, by the end of March, that would be when we'll be able to fully expand. And it may be able to be sooner than that if we see a lot more vaccine coming in. So once we are able to to go ahead with the expansion, that's supposed to, phase 1B is supposed to now include anyone with a high-risk medical condition or comorbidity. Um, So then, doctor, based on what you just said, as far as supply, As phase 1B continues to expand, it sounds like it will still be difficult for folks to secure a vaccine appointment. Yes, it will. Um, Every single week we are seeing our doses go up a little bit. This week, for the first time, we got more than 8,000 doses per day 
of vaccine, but that's 8,000 doses to stretch across the entire city of Chicago. Yeah. Our pharmacies, our hospitals, our clinics, the things the health departments are doing, our strike teams, that's not a lot of vaccine, 8,000 doses a day, where we've got more than 700,000 Chicagoans eligible and 500,000 who we still have not gotten vaccine uh, to be able to offer, you know, to be able to offer that first dose to. So every day we're getting more done and we're getting almost all of our vaccine is in arms within a week. Um, really, everything is all systems go here. It's yeah. just waiting for additional vaccine. So more expansion will be possible when we've got more vaccine. And every week it is going to be easier for people to get appointments. I know it's hard right now. Mm-hmm. We're really hoping by the end of March to be able to be in a place where everybody over 65 has gotten that appointment who wants one. But that does mean keeping some of the focus on that older age group, at least for these next few weeks, until yeah. we get to a point where that group has been able to um, access vaccine. There's also been concern about folks from outside of Chicago coming into the city to claim mm-hmm. some of those vaccine doses. To, to what extent has that been a problem? things on this. One is that where people are working in these frontline essential worker categories, you know, where we have non-Chicago residents working in our healthcare settings, we want those folks vaccinated because those are higher risk settings, higher risk people come in to use them. Uh, So where it's non-Chicago residents that are working here and we're doing uh, employer-focused vaccination efforts, we want to get those folks vaccinated. But regarding outside of that employment setting, you know, we have seen uh, some concerns there. Um, We've had um, about a third of the vaccines that come to Chicago going to non-Chicago residents. And again, some of that is appropriate, but some of that is people just seeking out vaccine where they can find it. So we've been working to tighten some of that up, um, working with our pharmacies, working with our providers, working at our own sites. We really want to prioritize making sure that Chicago residents, and especially Chicago residents in our hardest hit communities, um, are able to be vaccinated. So everybody's anxious for vaccine. That's a good thing. I'm glad people are wanting to get vaccinated. Um, But we want to make sure that the most vulnerable folks, the places that are driving our COVID outbreak here in Chicago are getting good access to vaccines. So our Protect Chicago Plus work, for example, yielding some good results there. And the fact that we're at the lowest positivity, some of the lowest case numbers that we've seen yet in our outbreak is starting to be a sign of getting vaccine into those hardest hit areas. Yeah. So a lot of work happening here, but I, I remain really confident in the plan that we have. It's yielding what we want it to related to cases, uh, and we are, we are getting the highest risk for vaccinated and will expand as we get more vaccines. Yeah, the, the declining case numbers and positivity rates is definitely uh, encouraging. Dr. Ardy, I want to ask you about this. The, the vaccine, of course, is supposed to be available for free across the state, but WBEZ reported yesterday on a Chicago clinic that was charging fees. Um, state officials say that they've received dozens of calls from people who were asked to pay fees for vaccine appointments. What are people supposed to do if they're, they're going to urgent care solely for the vaccine and they're being asked to pay that much for the office visit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where, you know, there, there's a little bit of a gray line in terms of sort of what's legal versus what we think is appropriate, right? And the difference here becomes uh, whether you're charging for an office visit. And, you know, this makes sense if you're going to see your primary care doctor and, you know, you're having a conversation about your blood pressure and you're, you know, getting your medications and getting labs drawn and happen to be getting a COVID vaccine as part of that visit that you should still be able to charge for the visit. But we are working. We're pulling together the urgent cares. We've been really clear that if th- these are people 
people just coming in for a COVID vaccine, uh, it's not appropriate to be also billing for, um, a, you know, a larger appointment uh, visit. And it is really clear um, federally and in what folks are signing that you're not allowed to be billing individuals just for that vaccine. So um, it's, it's a complicated part behind the scenes here where you're able to bill insurance um, kind of for an administration fee, um, but we are working. And in fact, the urgent care that had been highlighted in that WBEZ story has already said, you know, we're refunding those people. That was not really the intention. Um, and, you know, as always, you bring in new providers. We just have to work to clarify uh, what the expectations are. And it's unusual to say we're going to offer something completely free of charge. Um, it's not the way our health system usually works, but it is the right way. And it's what we're really committed to here in Chicago, making sure it happens. Doctor, in other pandemic news, after 11 months, the lakefront's open again in Chicago. And so are the parks and the playgrounds. Why now? So we're at a place related to our numbers that it's good to do that. I think it's certainly something that we've been wanting to do. As you know, you know, the lakefront was open in a keep it moving way, but we didn't have the parking open. We were really trying to, you know, make sure we could have protections in place. But we are in the best place that we have been yet related to COVID here. And while the crews were working on clearing snow and, and working on all this, uh, now actually is a good time to start getting those open. It takes a number of weeks. We're going to be heading into spring, hopefully not too long from now, and we want people uh, to be responsibly using those outdoor spaces. We're still going to have a mask requirement. Uh, we're still going to be prohibiting large gatherings in these settings. But by and large, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And as our data reflects that, we really want to make sure we are reopening carefully. And this is a big part, and one of the parts we're really excited about doing, getting those indoor pools open also. Um, we felt now was a good time to do that. With the planning, looking ahead toward um, the spring registration for the parks programs begins March 8th. And so we wanted to have made some decisions there and uh, really, you know, work on being at a place where we're going to be hopefully able to be more open this spring and this summer, um, as long as people can continue to do the things that we know protect us, right? Yeah. Get vaccinated when it's your opportunity. Keep wearing that mask. Keep doing the social distancing. Uh, and we'll be able to keep carefully reopening. Well, I got to tell you, Doc, I was on my Twitter feed this morning getting ready uh, for the show, and I saw someone tweet, calling it now, we'll see a spike in April. <laughs> Is that a concern here? You know, how does the city plan to prevent that? I think where the, the question marks are are related to variants. Um, and I appreciate people raising that, you know, raising that concern. We've been working um, with all of the kind of data work on this. Um, we work behind the scenes for any sign of concerning increase. Uh, even if our numbers were low, like they are now, and hopefully getting even lower, if we started to see signs of significant increase, signs of trouble, we would be pulling back on some of this, not waiting for it to get to a concerning point. Yeah. But also, we really, we've been working with our modelers and others, and even with this potentially more contagious variant coming in, we are seeing such good improvements in our numbers right now. And if we keep pushing vaccine to the communities that are driving COVID, to the settings that are driving COVID, that helps protect the sites that are highest risk for the city. Every COVID vaccination that you give helps potentially prevent a, a spread of COVID, and the spread of 
COVID there in turn has the biggest impact in protecting everybody because when, when COVID spreads is when variants have the chance to spread. So I really am feeling optimistic about how we are looking over these next few months. We wouldn't be making these decisions if we didn't um, think that the science really bore out the ability to carefully reopen. We're not just throwing open the doors here, right? We're yeah. keeping restrictions on things like indoor dining. Uh, we haven't just said come one, come all. We're going to keep going in a way that as long as the outbreak can support it uh, from a data-driven perspective, based not just here in Chicago, but what we've seen around the country and around the world, yeah. uh, to carefully reopen. And if our vaccination campaign continues to go as well as it has so far, we are going to see even more. You know, we're already at one in nine Chicagoans having gotten that first dose and only going more quickly from there. That is also going to be a huge part of protecting us here. So I'm feeling optimistic that we won't see a huge surge. Okay. Um, you never want to say that's 100 percent. The variants are the big question. But we are watching all the indicators closely. If we started to see any uh, signs of concern, um, we would, of course, pull back. Well, I've got this all on tape, doctor. So, you know, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just play it back. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Let's talk briefly before I let you go about quarantine rules changing. Chicago's emergency travel order changed again this week and now uh, has implemented a two-tiered system. Can you briefly break that down for us? Yeah, we've actually we've been in the two-tiered system for a little while now. Uh, basically, it just highlights that there's an orange level and a yellow level. The yellow level, which does include Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan, these are all states that are doing pretty well from a COVID perspective. They're having less than 15 cases per day per 100,000, which is the same metric we have been using all along, like since the travel order launched last summer. We want people to limit travel still, but there's no requirement for quarantine um, or for testing, whereas the 31 states that are still in orange, we do have that um, requirement for a pre-arrival, a negative test, um, or a 10-day quarantine. The big change was that we added uh, that for those orange states, for people who are fully vaccinated, meaning they're at least two weeks post uh, their second dose of a two-dose series, and they're not having any symptoms, they also do not need to quarantine um, or test. So it's really just um, the news couldn't be better related to the safety and efficacy of these vaccines. We have good confidence uh, that they are helping protect individuals as well as spread. Uh, and so it's just recognizing that that travel order for people who are vaccinated is uh, is another way that we're able to change um, and really express that confidence in the vaccine yeah. and know that people who are fully vaccinated um, unlikely to be um, having significant risk, um, even if they are traveling to other states. And real quick, you know, some K-8 to school children are going back to school on Monday. Brief tips for parents as they're preparing for that return. For kids who haven't been in school for almost a year, uh, this is going to be a big transition. So certainly from a COVID perspective, you want to make sure that your kids are, you know, wearing the masks that they're going to need to be wearing in school, um, that they're washing their hands, getting some of those routines going as we think about that transition back. But also, frankly, you know, talking to your kids about, you know, what are they worried about? What are they thinking about? It's a huge transition. Um, A lot of the younger children won't, you know, won't even have strong memories of kind of what those routines were like early on. So, uh, you know, first day of school always brings some jitters, but I think a first day of school, especially, you know, after this long time away, um, kids are likely to need some more support, to have some more questions. And, you know, we want to make sure that you as parents are kind of making that space um, for talking with them. A lot of differences in terms of interactions with, you know, classmates and playmates and perhaps things that some of those kids might not have done in a long time. So leaving space to talk to your kids for real about how things are going Um, and supporting them, even as we think about helping keep them safe uh, from a COVID perspective is going to be important. 
That's Dr. Arwoody with the Chicago Department of Public Health. Doctor, always a pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. For the latest and most accurate information around the COVID-19 pandemic, tune to WBEZ at 91.5 FM or go to WBEZ.org. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. We cover COVID and the vaccination rollout from a variety of angles. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.